was looking for storytellers for this event, my dad's friend put me in contact with Eliza, telling me I need to meet and hear this woman talk about her life in New York. So I'm very excited to have her do that for Backyard Stories. Please welcome Eliza. Hello everyone, my name is Eliza and I'm just another Australian in the room right now. <laughs> Definitely thought I'd have some New Yorkers, but here I am feeling like I'm in Fitzroy or Brunswick, which I'm totally cool with. So um, just as Claudia said, early last week I received a text message from my dad saying, hey, Hobbs' friend's daughter um, wants to reach out to you. She seems real nice. Um, something about a podcast? And in true Australian fashion, I thought, yeah, why not? Yeah, 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 that sounds good. Just put me in touch with her. And, you know, I realised I'm more than happy to help people out, especially when they're Australian. But... Here I am, nervous as hell, as I'm definitely not a storyteller, but this is how we do it. I will like to say that um, my profession is actually, I'm a photographer and a producer, and I have nothing to do with storytelling, but I'm a, I'm a wing it, so here we go. Um, <laughs> my story begins in 2009. I'm sitting in an all-girls music class, and our singing teacher has decided that my that decided that my two best friends and I are going to sing a three-part harmony version of Umbrella by Rihanna. <laughs> An interesting choice seeing as we had been working on jazz standards all year but it was only going to be heard in front of you know a couple of students in VCE. We'll be okay, we'll, we'll run with it. Little did we know we were actually going to be seeing it in our valedictorian in front of 150 people in a few weeks time. I distinctly remember the first words to come out of my mouth directed right at my teacher saying, piss off, there's no fucking way. As you know, an 18 year old does. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to pull this off. I'm not cool enough. I'm never going to stop hearing about this from my peers. And yeah, nah, I'm just not gonna do this. Okay, cool. And, but being who I am, as I stand here again, I don't know how to say no. And there I am on stage saying, Ella, Ella, hey, hey, with arm movements and everything. And now there's actually over 300 people. You know, it definitely wasn't my favorite moment in high school, but little did I know that this embarrassing and cringeworthy moment would come back to haunt me in a discussion 12 years later as I'm on a studio set in New York with the one and only bad girl Riri herself. And in her words, Ri said, someone must have recorded it. But I'm jumping ahead already. Over the last past eight years, I've been working and living in New York as a commercial photographer and producer. I always said yes to every opportunity granted my way, no matter how big or small the project was. Sometimes I would be reaching out to 100 people every day and getting rejected every single time. And other times it was finding my way into a large music event, photographing the likes of Patti Smith and Alicia Keys and Chance the Rapper and more. 
and I was just living my best life. I was living with my favorite people. I was going to Broadway every night. I was dancing up a storm. I was stuck on the L train when everyone was saying, showtime, showtime. And I was just doing what people in their 20s do. You're meant to be doing absolutely everything and nothing all at once. But nothing could have prepared me for when my world turned upside down in 2020 and I was back sitting in my childhood bedroom during COVID lockdown for a year and a half, I might add. Every day I thought, how in the world did I end up back here? Everything was going so well. I was about to launch a company, but now I was contemplating giving up my creative and production pursuits and finding a steady, regular job like everyone had told me to do back home. I was feeling like my 18-year-old self. All I wanted to do was scream and throw a hissy fit, even though I usually just did them internally and didn't tell anybody. That's how I felt. But one morning in April, I received a message on LinkedIn which I had never used in four years, <laughs> from a brand manager from Fenty, AKA the billionaire queen Rihanna herself, saying, hey, why are you in Melbourne? Are you coming back to New York? When are you, like, when are you coming? We really want you to start working for us. And within minutes, I was already lying to myself and to her saying, absolutely, I'll be coming back in a few months. But really, I had no plan in sight. We were just getting out of lockdown and all keeping our fingers crossed, another one wasn't on the horizon. But in the world, the world works in mysterious and fun ways. And three months later, I was back in New York welcoming Rihanna on set and doing what I did best, making people feel seen and producing great work. The shoot was amazing and tiring all at the same time. We had many ridiculous moments throughout the shoot starting with the photographer getting extremely nervous about giving a prayer and asking me to do it. The biggest atheist in the world who requested as a seven-year-old to be taken out of religious education because I would rather do arts and crafts instead. But sure, why not? I'll do the prayer and my parents really got a kick out of it when I told them this. To then Rihanna's boobs completely popping out of a dress and only me noticing and rushing over, putting them back in where they deserve to be. And she was very grateful for this. Then joking around that her outfit looked like a Halloween costume and she would definitely win first place in a contest. You probably saw the photo of her dressed as a life-size joint. But anywho, the moment that really stuck with me was when we were walking up the stairs for the millionth time at Spring Studios. It was 2 a.m. and I was beyond exhausted since I'd been on set since 11 a.m. the day before. And Rihanna turns to me and says, Eliza, you are so good at your job. And my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we've got six more looks to go. I think we need more catering. Everything is fucked. We're so over time. The budget is blown. I don't know what I'm going to do. But of course, she can see everything is happening on my face. And she just goes, yo, chill. Listen to me. She puts both her hands on my shoulders and she goes, you're doing great. You're really good at this. Just relax. And I was like, okay. In the first time in my career, I allowed myself to enjoy this moment and say thank you. I really appreciate that. 
But of course, my producer mind switched back on and we were go, go, go again. As we were wrapping up the shoot, she goes around to everyone and says, you were amazing. You were slow, but good. You're my bitch. Where the fuck's Eliza? And I'm like, um, hi, yep, I'm here. What's up? And I don't know. She starts going berserk and she's like, you. You have it. I don't know what it is, but you have it. And I want it on every photo shoot moving forward. I was speechless for the first time in my entire life. But it was also 4 a.m. and everyone was drinking silly juice and playing with fun powders and having a little too much fun. And I didn't think much of it until she goes up to me and goes, so what's your number? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, nah. Everyone in this room, security, production, everybody has it. Like, relax. You're all good. You don't need it. No, I want it. I really want it, Eliza. And she's like, just write it down. You know, just write it down. And I'm just like, no, nah, I've only been back in New York two weeks. I don't even know my own bloody phone number right now. So she just goes, fuck it, and just hands me her phone. And I'm like, cool, okay, this is what we do. So there I am standing next to Rihanna, a billionaire, giving her my phone number. And the Australian in me goes, so, quick question. Does it go ASAP Rocky, Beyonce, Cardi B, Drake, and then Eliza now? And she loses it with laughter and gives me a very knowing look and goes, we all know one of those phone numbers doesn't deserve to be in my phone anymore. And I'm like, okay. So as I walk her down to her car, I tell her that back in 2009, I sang her second number one single, Umbrella, with a bunch of students and their parents, and that my 18-year-old self wouldn't even be able to comprehend how cool my life was turning out and how happy she would have been to pull off a shoot like this. She insists on me finding this video of us singing, and she jumps into her car. She did keep her promise, by the way, she, wor- she wasn't joking. I woke up the next day with 27 missed calls <laughs> that morning. And everyone from her team, from the lingerie line to the beauty line, asking to talk about future projects, which a year later from this day, I still work with them. So the moral of the story, from the wise words of S Club 7, <laughs> don't stop, never give up, hold your head high and reach the top. Thank you so much, everyone.